Good morning. You'd think as long as I've been doing this, I wouldn't forget to get a microphone, would you? For some reason, I, I can't never remember to do that. This morning, if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. While you're turning there, those of you that were here last week, I just want to let you know that many of you have let me know that I was not alone in my um, unability to, um, to wait whether it was at the barber shop or whether it was at the red light, and I'd just like to let Andy Griggs know that uh, Joe Griggs also runs red lights too. He, um, he confessed to me, so I feel the need to confess that to you. Uh, so be watching out for Joe running red lights and uh, teach him a little patience. Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. When you get there, y'all stand. We're going to continue uh, talking about growing strong in our faith. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is what it reads. It says, therefore, <clears throat> having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ and through whom also we have access by faith into grace in which we stand. Think about that. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory or we shine in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. You can be seated. Before we go any further, let's pray real quick. Father, as always, I come to you and I I want to acknowledge my hopelessness, my inability to do anything without You. Father, this is Your Word. Lord, I have no ability that did not come from You. I have, I have no breath that did not come from You. There is no voice in me unless You give it. So Father, I'm asking You right now that You supply everything I need to preach Your Word, to accomplish Your purpose, to get me through this. Father, I depend completely upon You. Father, I pray right now that whatever your, your purpose is in this Word, that You would accomplish it. Father, according to Your Word, You said that Your Word will not return unto You void. You will cause it to do what You sent it out to do. So God, I'm, I'm trusting in that promise this morning. That, that whatever purpose You have in this Word, You're going to cause it. No matter what results we see or don't see, You're going to accomplish Your purpose this morning. And Father, I pray that... Um, Lord, if it can be Your will, Father, I pray that uh, people would be changed this morning, God. I pray that souls would be saved if it could be Your will. And I know it is Your will. Uh, Father, I pray that you would, uh, you would just draw people closer to You. I pray that faith would be strengthened when it leaves here this morning, God. And Father, I pray that, um, most importantly, that not a person here leaves that has not been changed by Your Word and what they've heard in it this morning. And Father, I thank You for the worship service that we've had so far. Uh, Lord, I thank you even for the technical difficulties, God. I, just, I thank you, Father, that um, you're always teaching us, you're always working in us, and you're always um, 
merciful and long-suffering with us, God. And Father, we cannot thank you enough for, for how you work with us and, and who you are to us. And Father, I just pray these things again because you are the only hope that we have. Father, we, uh, we are completely dependent upon you. Father, we acknowledge that this morning before we go any further. Father, we love you and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we were looking at part of the life of Abraham and how Abraham was strengthened in faith and how he grew in faith. Uh, and if we're not careful, whenever we read those words from Romans chapter 4, that we're tempted to think that Abraham never struggled in faith. Uh, we, we, we hear things like Abraham never wavered. We hear things like Abraham was fully convinced that what God promised he was also able to do. And yes, Abraham knew these things, but Abraham was no different than you and I. I hope you understand that. Abraham had to grow in those in that knowledge. There's a how many of you know some things about God, but actually walking in it is a little bit different right now. You know, there there are a whole lot of things that you know about God, but it takes some growing and it takes some strength training to actually get yourself to a point that you're growing in it. So this morning I want to look at another one of the ways that that we grow in in faith, and, and one of those ways is through suffering. Um, last week, I want to go over just a few points with you real, very quickly. Um, last week, we learned that there are a few key things that you need to know about God, a few key truths. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says that... Romans chapter 8. Um, I've got my scriptures mixed up. Maybe it's Matthew chapter 8. Jesus said, this is a scripture y'all know from heart should. Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? I think it's Matthew 8.32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you want your mind to be set free to be able to trust in God, there are some absolute truths about Him that you have to know. Those things were very simply, the first one was God is not constrained by your physical limitations. And no matter what He commands you to do, no matter what He tells you in the Word to do, I used the example last week that God told us, sin shall not have dominion over you. In other words, if God says that sin is not going to conquer you, then you need to understand that that promise is not constrained by you and your physical limitations. You are not the same person that you used to be once God has come into your life. He who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. So God is not constrained by your physical limitations. You have to know that truth. If not, you're going to hear God tell you some things in your life. I want this out of you. I want this out of you. And if you think God is constrained by your physical limitations, then your faith is going to waver. There are going to be times that you say, I can't do it, God. And it happened. It happened to the best of them. Moses, oh Lord, I can't speak. God looked at Moses and said, who made man's mouth? Who makes him able to speak? Who makes him mute? Who makes man's eyes? Who makes him be able to see? Or who makes him be born blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, God is telling Moses, I am not constrained by your physical limitations. If I call you to something or I give you a promise, it is not dependent upon what you can do. That is a truth that you have to get 
if you're going to grow strong in your faith. The second truth, God is able to do whatever He promises. Whatever it is. I don't care if you're a hundred year old man and God tells you I'm going to give you a newborn son through a 90 year old wife. God is able to do whatever He promises. And you have to understand that that is the truth. You can't look at anything and go, well, now that's too hard. Because what did Abraham and Sarah do one time whenever God told them they were going to have a baby? They laughed. I would have laughed too. Unless I knew that God is able to do whatever He promises. And then it's not a laughing matter. And then it's a matter of trusting in Him. If you're going to grow stronger in your faith, you have to believe God is able to do what He promises. Third thing, God's name is at stake with His promises. You have to know that truth, that God is not going to allow His name to be defamed. If God told the lame man to walk, Jesus Christ, this man is lame. Listen, I, I told a story one time. I told myself I wasn't going to re-preach this sermon, but I'm fixing to. I told, I, 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 I told a story one time. I had a young lady and probably hardly any of you will remember this, but years ago we had a singing here one time, and there was a young girl that um, was in a wheelchair, and I can't remember, she, um, yep, Tiffany, I can't remember what she had, but anyway, um, I was up here singing about God and about the power of God. And this little girl come rolling up here, while, it was in the middle of a singing, I was doing a singing that night. And she come rolling up here and she stopped and I came down there to her and um, and she wanted me to pray that she would walk. And I can remember, and this, this is the truth, and I don't care if you believe me or not, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. This little girl came up here and she told me this. It's the only time in my life that I've ever heard God tell me. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard God tell me Tell her to get up and walk. I heard it. Tell her to get up and walk. I didn't do it. You know why I didn't do it? Because I spoke back to God and I said, what if she falls? What if, what if, what if she don't? I can't, I can't do that. And I didn't do it. You think about this. When God tells someone to get up and walk, it's different from me to tell someone to get up and walk. If I had have told that girl to get up and walk and then she didn't, the whole church would have did what? They'd look back at me and said, what an idiot. I cannot believe that he has the nerve to tell that girl that cannot walk to get up and walk and she falls in the floor. And there's outrage. And, and guess, guess what just happened? <laughs> I just became defamed. God is a little different. God can literally look at someone and tell them, even though they're born lame, to get up and walk because He knows that His name is on the line. And if He tells this person to get up and walk, He has the power to make them get up and walk. So when God's name is on the line in the promise, you can rest assured that there is no second thought in God that goes... Ooh, I hope I didn't tell them wrong because what if they don't? Or what if they can't? Or what if it's beyond my ability? That is not, there is no part of God that ever says that, no matter how hard it is in our eyes 
If God tells you to do something, you have to be able to trust that He is not constrained by your physical limitations. You have to understand that. You have to understand that, that He is able to do whatever He promises, no matter how hard it is to you, and then don't ever forget that His name is attached to it. This is not a preacher up here trying to tell you something. This is God's Word telling you whatever it is that we teach you from it. And His name is on the line. So if He tells you to do it, you can rest assured, He is going to do it. And then last, but certainly not least, God cannot lie. Everything He's ever said would happen before now has happened and He will accomplish all that He says, even as He has said it. So you've got to know those truths. So like Abraham, we grow stronger in our faith as we learn these truths and not just learn them, not just know them, but believe them to the point that you walk in them. This week, I have put this into practice and my life has been changed. This week, there have been areas of my life that I have been surrendering to so long that I said, no more. No more. God said, sin shall not have dominion over me. And what God says, God will do. And I'm getting up and I'm walking in this promise. Not in my power, not in my ability, according to what He said. I'm putting faith in His promise. I'm putting, I'm, I have full assurance that what He says, He will do. And I got up and I walked in it. How many of you heard these truths of God and your life was changed this week because you walked in those truths? I'm praying today that you can begin to grow in your faith by learning these truths and putting them into practice in your life and believing them with all of your heart and grow stronger in your faith. Today I want to talk about another subject though. I want to talk to you about a subject of suffering. Growing your faith in suffering. You know, this is vital for a, um, a Christian to understand because as Nick said in Sunday school this morning, there is a false perception out there that um, when we come to God, everything's supposed to get better in this world. When we come to God, we're supposed to be full of joy and peace and, and our finances get better and everything and, and the trials go away. Actually, the opposite of that is true. And the reason this is vital for you to understand as a believer is because according to Mark chapter 4, verse 16 through 17, I think they've took over for me up there because <laughs> I didn't do a good job at following at doing it myself. Mark chapter 4, verse 16, it says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they heard the word immediately, they received it with gladness. Verse 17, that's what it says. And they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a while afterward when what? Tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake. Why did the tribulation come? Why did the tribulation come? For the Word's sake. On account of the Word, immediately they stumble. Here you have a group of people who received the Word, but they do not persevere in it, proving that they were never truly saved, if you will. However, if as far as a believer of Jesus Christ, how many of you are going to fall into this category if you don't have a correct understanding of how God is using suffering in your life 
to actually grow your faith and your full assurance in His promises. This is vital. This is one of the four soils that we talked about and one of them did not know how to handle suffering and because of that, they were scorched when the sun came out. Do you think you're exempt? Do you think I'm exempt? He who endures to the end shall be saved. I could fall off any moment now. There's no guarantee. I'm telling you, if you don't have a correct understanding of suffering and the purpose behind it and how to handle it, then your hope will fade and faith will actually die. Today my desire is that you are the ones whose faith is strengthened through suffering. I don't want you to be scorched by the heat. Actually, the Bible promises us suffering as children of God. It don't tell us that we will be exempt from it. Let me show you just a few Scriptures to back that up. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, we'll go through these. Follow through me pretty quick if you can. It says, Paul was going through the churches that he had just established, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. So he had to encourage them to continue in the faith. It wasn't something that was just automatic. And this is what he said to them in order to exhort them to continue in the faith. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So we see there that Paul encouraged the churches by helping them understand that there will be many tribulations and many sufferings that will come your way on account of the Word and you must through those things endure if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Go with me to John chapter 15, verse 20. And we'll go through several Scriptures this morning, but we're going to go fast. Remember the Word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You are not greater than Christ. Do you think that your sufferings should be less than His? Absolutely not. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. Verse 12, I'm sorry. Beloved, do not think it strange considering the fiery trial which is to try you. Which is to what? It is to try you as though some strange thing as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Second Timothy 3, verse 12, this will be the last one I use, although there are many more. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will suffer persecution. I'm not going to sugarcoat a gospel message this morning that tells you that everything is going to be jolly and great. No. We live in a cursed world where Christians will suffer. Christians will suffer because we live in a fallen world where hearts and minds of men have been given over to their own desires. How many of you know that our desires are evil? How many of you know that your desires are evil? Every one of us have been given over to that. And until our minds are renewed and we are born again, we fall under just following what we choose is right and wrong. And when we choose what is right and wrong, we're in a mess. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says that we did not want to retain God in our knowledge. In other words, we said, God, we don't want you in our knowledge. And God said, okay. I'll let you see what it looks like when things are your way. 
And it says that God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. So how many times have you heard somebody say, I wonder why God would allow that person to do that? Why didn't God stop this? Or why didn't God, why, why do good people suffer? And why do, listen, here's your first point right here. We don't want God in our knowledge. None of us. Me included. We don't want God's knowledge. We each look at God and go, I don't want that. And God says, okay. I'll let you see what a world looks like when you choose for yourself between right and wrong. So we live in that kind of world and we suffer as a result of that. Sometimes we suffer as a result of other people's evil minds. We suffer due to our own choices. Sometimes it ain't due to other people's debased minds. Sometimes it's due to us and our debased minds. Sometimes it's due to our choices that we make. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7-8 through 8 actually tells us that do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that also he shall reap. In other words, there are consequences for our actions, correct? There is suffering that is going to be in this world based on the consequences of our actions. We suffer as a result of that. We suffer also because of our faith in God. Remember what it said in Mark uh, again? It told us that it came, the tribulation came on account of the Word because of the Word. You see examples of this, and I've used these many times, but Job, the Bible said that Job was blameless and upright, that Satan was going to and fro the earth looking for someone that he could devour, and he found Job. How many times have you ever felt like, man, I'm doing good. I, I was following God and I was trying to get on the right track and I was going down this road and boom, it happened. You been there? Trials come on account of the Word. God actually looked and He said, have you thought about my servant Job? His faith is genuine. He ain't like you. He loves me for who I am. Go ahead, put your hand on him. Try him. He sees more value in me than he sees in any of these other things that he has. Take it all from him. He's not going to turn from me. He says, try him. So sometimes as a result of, of our faith, we suffer. Uh, Peter, when Peter thought he was on the top, if you ever go back and you read that again, Peter actually said, he said, Lord, if everybody else turns away from you, I will never turn away from you. I don't care if everybody else in the world turns on you, I will never turn on you. And then the very next statement, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. You're on the top of your game right now. Satan's asked for you. He wants to sift you like weed. He wants to see just exactly how, how real you are in this faith. So sometimes we suffer as a result of our faith. And if we don't know how to handle this suffering then our faith is going to diminish. It's going to be scorched up. So my question I'm going to answer in three ways this morning is this. If you're taking notes, here's the question we're answering. How should we handle suffering as believers so that it increases our faith in God? How do we handle suffering as believers so that it increases our faith in God? Our faith being the full assurance of the hope that we have in God. So that when suffering comes in, hope don't diminish, but instead hope increases. And we're going to look at, at, toward the end of this back at Romans where he said 
that we shine and we glory in tribulations. Not that we don't hurt, not that we don't cry, not that we don't have heartache and sorrow and pain in tribulation, but we shine in it. We shine in it and we glory in it. We glory in it because it produces something. It produces perseverance. And then that perseverance produces character. And then that character just produces more hope. And faith is the full assurance of hope. So we're going to see that faith actually grows in suffering. The first thing that you have to know if your faith is going to grow in suffering, you have to believe that God is sovereign over all things. Now, first question I want to answer is what is sovereign? I've had that asked before. I want to make sure you understand what I mean by sovereign. Sovereign means a supreme rule. What is supreme? The top. There is no other power other than this power. There is no other rule other than this rule. I don't want you to think for one minute that Satan has free authority to do whatever he wants. He don't. He is under the thumb of God and he can only do what God allows him to do. God is sovereign over all things. I want to prove that to you through several scriptures. We're going to go through them very quickly. The first one being Matthew chapter 10 verse 29. In Matthew chapter 10 verse 29. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. First thing, very quickly, God is sovereign over sparrows. They don't even fall to the ground unless God says fall to the ground. Nothing happens to a feather on a bird unless God allows it to take place. He's sovereign over sparrows that fall to the ground. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. Some of these are going to seem petty to you, but listen. The lot is cast into the lap, or the dice is rolled, but it's every decision is what? Dice land where God says they land. Lots are cast and they land upon the supreme authority of God. Even something as simple as the rolling of the dice is in the control of God. Psalm chapter 44 verse 11. You have given us up like sheep intended for food. Who did? You did. And you have scattered us among the nations. God is even sovereign over the persecution of His people. God is even sovereign when He allows His people to go into persecution. When He sends them as sheep among the wolves, even God is responsible for that. Now I know I'm not building a whole lot of trust here, but just stay with me because it's going to be important that you understand that He's sovereign. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of the water, He turns it wherever he wishes. Listen to me very closely. President Obama does not make a single decision that God does not direct. I know that's hard to understand, but the only way you can understand it is go back and look at how he used Pharaoh and how he used Pharaoh to discipline his people during that time and how he showed his power great over Pharaoh and through Pharaoh. God always has purposes in what He's doing, but there is no king on this earth that their heart is not in the hand of the Lord. So He's sovereign over all of the rulers and over all of the people of this world. 
Let's keep going. Exodus chapter 4 verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? God is sovereign over every ability or disability. He is sovereign over it. And it will always be for our good and His glory. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. I gave you the wrong verse. <laughs> Nathan was sovereign over his house and Nathan departed. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. I gave you the wrong one, I'm sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord makes poor and the Lord makes rich. He brings low and He lifts up. The reason you have money, do you think it's because you were a good businessman? Do you think it's because you were any better businessman than anybody else? The reason you're poor, do you think it's because you're not as smart as somebody else? The Lord makes poor and the Lord makes rich. The Lord brings low and the Lord lifts up and He always has purpose in it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. I'm going through these because I want you to see that no matter what area of life you want to look at, God is the one who has supreme reign over all of it. Therefore, let those who suffer according to what? Even your suffering, no matter what it is, is according to the will of God. So commit your soul to Him in doing good as to a faithful what? Creator. The book of Romans actually asks the question, Will the thing that has been made say to the one who has made him, why have you made me this way? What does, does the pot have any right or does the clay have any right to say to the potter that um, you did wrong by doing this? You're clay. He is the creator. Now the good news is he promises that everything he does will be for your good and for His glory. That's His promise. But don't take for granted for one minute that you're not the clay. You're just the clay. He is the maker. He is the creator. So He is sovereign over our suffering. James chapter 4 verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. God is sovereign over whether you take your next breath. God is sovereign over whether you get up to walk to the bathroom in just a moment, whoever you are. God is sovereign over whether or not you get up to take your kid to the nursery. God is sovereign over whether or not you leave this building and you get in your car and it starts or not. God is sovereign over whether or not you will eat your next meal. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6. Man, we could go on forever. I'm fixing to have to stop. The Lord kills and He makes alive. He brings down to the grave and He brings up. The Lord is sovereign over life and the Lord is sovereign over death. There has been nobody that has been born that it wasn't the will of the Lord and there has been nobody that died that it was not the will of the Lord. I know that's tough. I know that's tough, but that is the truth. God is sovereign over it. He is the one that has supreme rule over this. I'm just going to do two more. Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 28. 
For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Anybody remember what Herod and Pontius Pilate and all of the Jews did? What did they do? They killed Jesus Christ. But what did it say about this? They did it according to your hand and your purpose, what you had already determined that they were going to do. God is sovereign even over His own Son's execution for your sins, for our salvation. Last one, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Whatever I decide to do, that's what I do. Whenever they ask, uh, God, what is your name? What do we tell you? What do they? What do we tell people? Your name is? He said, Tell them I am. I am. I am dependent upon nothing, and everything is dependent upon me. I am the beginning. I am the last. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not even yet done. But my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. You know why? Because God is sovereign. You have to understand that truth this morning if you're going to get through your suffering and not be burned up. Listen to me closely. God did not turn His back on you and then look back and go, Oops, I'm sorry. I turned my back for a minute. I forgot you there. Your suffering and everything you're going through in your life believe it or not, is according to the will of God. It is according to the suffering of this world. It is according to our sin. It is according to things that this world has been cursed to, the futility of this world. There are many reasons why we suffer, but don't think for one minute that God is not sovereign over all of it. The good news is this. When you become a child of His and you become a believer, He makes you a promise that all the suffering that He allows you to go through, the promise is that He is going to work it all together for your good and for His glory. And unless you believe that God is sovereign over all things, you will fail when suffering comes into your life. Because how many of you know that there are a lot of times that suffering comes in our life that we get angry at God? We blame God. I know people today that the reason they say they will not believe and they will not come to faith in God is because God did this to me. You have to understand that God is sovereign over all things, but you can't just stop there. You also have to believe, this is number two, that God has divine purpose in your suffering. God's not just sitting up there on His throne playing games saying, your move. There is divine purpose in your suffering. Now remember, the majority of our suffering comes from the fact that we said to God, our Creator, I don't want your knowledge. I don't want to live the way you created me to live. I want to do what I want to do. And our Creator stepped back and said, Go ahead. 
Let me show you what that looks like. Any of you parents in here ever had kids that you reached a point in their lives to where you finally just had to step back and go, okay, go ahead. going to learn the hard way. It's going to be tough. You're going to go through some hard things. But go ahead. God gave us over to our ways, and that is the result of a lot of our suffering. But you must believe that God has divine purpose in your suffering as a believer. In John Piper's book, we're doing a small group study on it. It's called Don't Waste Your Life. I want to read you a quote out of this book. It says, No one has ever said that they learned their deepest lessons in life or that they had their sweetest encounters with God on sunny days. People go deep with God when the drought comes. Let me say that one more time. People go deep with God when the drought comes. The truth of the matter is, it's on the sunny days when we ignore God. It's on the sunny days and when everything is going great that we're in our highest pride and we say to God, we don't need you, God. And we don't do it outwardly, but how many of us get up day after day after day and we never even think about Him? We never even mention Him a thanks to Him in prayer. And we live in ingratitude. We take every breath for granted as if it is our right to have it. He also said in his book, he said, we are doubly unworthy of anything from our Creator. Doubly because first off, you're the creature. If you are a person who takes clay and you mold a pot and you shape that pot and you form it, do you owe that pot anything else once you're done making it? Do you owe it anything? If it is your pleasure to do so, could you take that pot and break it and would it be okay? Because that's your pot. You can do with it whatever you want. You don't owe that pot anything. That pot owes you. And we have to understand that we are the creature. The Creator does not owe us our very next breath. The Creator does not owe us life. The Creator does not owe us anything whatsoever. So we are unworthy of anything that He gives us. But second off, we have sinned against Him. Not only are we the cre creature made by the Creator, but we've also been the pot that was made by Him that looked back at Him and said no. Have you ever thought for a minute that we are the only thing in God's creation that stands up in the face of God and says, no, I will not do that. The ocean comes to a point and if God says stop, you know what the ocean does? It stops. The sun goes exactly where it's supposed to go when it's time to set and it comes up exactly where it's supposed to come up when it's time to rise. The moon reflects exactly the way that it should at exactly the right time as it should. All of creation listens and obeys whatever their Creator says except mankind. We are the only ones that God looks at and says, this is what I created you for. And we look back at Him and go, nope, I won't do that. So we are doubly unworthy of anything from Him whatsoever. And yet, we still have life, we still have breath, and He still gives us mercy, and He still gives us gifts, and He still shows us gratitude. People go deep with God 
when the drought comes. And God knows that. God knows that we take the gifts for granted, that we take all of the breath for granted, that we take life for granted, and that we live according to us. And so one of the things that He knows, the only way we're going to learn to depend on Him once again is if whenever He starts allowing suffering to take place. God has divine purpose in our suffering. You let God start taking some comforts of life away. You let God start robbing you of some things in this world and sending you through some type of suffering and you watch what you do. Oh God. Man, we become our greatest prayer warriors in the times of suffering, don't we? God knows that. God has divine purpose in your suffering and you have to believe that God has divine purpose. He says of Paul, he says Paul is one of our greatest examples of this divine purpose in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. This is one of God's greatest servants as far as I'm concerned. But He's burdened beyond measure, above His strength. Don't ever think for one minute that it's true when people say, God won't put more on you than you can bear. Yeah, He will. Yeah, He will. He means to put more on you than you can bear because He's not dependent upon your strength, upon your ability. He says, Paul said, we were burdened beyond measure. You can't even measure the burden that we had. We were, uh, it was above our strength. We were unable to bear it so that we despaired even of life. Things got so bad for Paul that he literally, he just wanted to die. But then go to verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, and here's why. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. In other words, even when I'm dead, even whenever I have nothing left inside of me, even when the suffering and the affliction is so bad that I cannot have the strength to do anything about it, I am spent. There's nothing else left. Paul said there's still divine purpose in this suffering. And Paul said for him, it was so that we don't trust in ourselves, but that we rely on God who raises the dead. It was to bring us to the end of ourselves so that all we can do is look to God and go, God, our only hope is You. And ain't that the truth? Even if you have everything in this world that there is to give, Ain't it still the truth that your only hope is still God? How many people uh, have you ever known on their deathbed that gained it all that were any further better than somebody who had nothing when it comes time to die? When it comes to the end of this life, the truth of the matter is your only hope is God. That's it. Your only hope is Him and you have to understand and believe that God has divine purpose in your suffering and that He's going to bring you to the end of yourself in it so that you can put your trust in Him. Because naturally, listen to me guys, I'd like for us to say, God, you don't have to bring me there. I'll go there on my own. Well, <laughs> that's nice to say. But how many of you have ever been successful at getting there? Truth of the matter is, God understands our pride. He understands the greatness of our pride. And He understands what it takes. He understands what is best for us. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Paul had been shown so many great things by God. He, he had literally seen visions of certain parts of heaven. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure by all the things that God has revealed to me, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be removed from me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, here's Paul's answer to his suffering. He saw divine purpose in it. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Is it any way you go to verse 10? There you go. Therefore, I take pleasure in... Hang on. Did y'all just hear that? We're talking about a man who said that I was burdened beyond measure, above my strength, above my ability. The, the suffering was so bad, I had the sentence of death inside of me. I would just as soon have died than continued in this suffering. And then there's a knowledge that comes in that moves him to this point. Therefore, I take what? That's crazy talk, ain't it? That's faith talk. This is faith growing through suffering. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. Paul said, when the paycheck don't come in, when I don't have nothing to buy groceries, and all I get to do is say, God, I depend on You to get me through the day. Whether I eat or not, my life is in Your hands. He said, I take pleasure in it because it brings me to that point to look back at God and go, God, I depend on You for it all. It strengthens his faith and his trust in God and he takes pleasure in needs. He takes pleasure in persecutions and distresses. He does it for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. You won't never be at your strongest in your spirit and in, and in God until you find yourself at your weakest moment in your flesh. I've heard too many people that have, have um, unknowingly, they just don't know it yet, they'll say to me, man, I'm, I'm at the top of my game with God. I'm so close to Him. I'm closer to Him than I have ever been in my life. And they're saying it because of all the things that's going right in their life. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, no, you're not. You're not even close. Wait till it goes the other way. And when it goes the other way and you still in your tears and in your sorrow and in your hurt and you still say, God is my only hope, but He is my greatest hope. Then I'll look at you and say, you're at your strongest that you've ever been. For when you are weak, that's when you are strong. So again, the first two things, if you're going to handle suffering right, you must believe that God is sovereign, supreme rule over all things, even your suffering. And you must believe that God has divine purpose in your suffering. That He is working in your life. As bad as it hurts, as hard as it is, He's doing something in you. And the last thing that you have to be able to do 
having full assurance in the first two truths. Again, we can't even move to number three unless you fully understand and believe the first two. But having full assurance in the first two truths, number three, let what the suffering produces work in you. You gotta let it work. You gotta let it do its job. Whatever the suffering is trying to produce in you, you gotta let it do it. Go back with me again to Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Listen to what Paul said again. He started out talking about our rejoicing in hope. In, in other words, he starts talking about our faith. But then he says, we rejoice in this faith that we have, this access that we have to God. We rejoice in this peace that we have with God. But not only that, it ain't just about the peace. It ain't just about what we have with God. But not only that, but we also glory or we also shine and we also rejoice in tribulations and hard times. And you know why? What does that next word say? Knowing. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are dying for a lack of knowledge. You know why you're dying spiritually? Because you don't understand a lot of things. You're dying spiritually because there are so many things that you do not know about God. These truths that we're trying to give you, you don't know them. You're not walking in them to be set free. He says we glory and we shine in our tribulations because we know something. We know that tribulation does what? Produces. Tribulation is producing in my life. Tribulation produces perseverance. In other words, uh, the, the, another translation of that would say tribulation produces patience or a patient endurance. It is a time of waiting. That's what patience is, ain't it? It's waiting, but it's a, it's a calm waiting because you know that something is coming so you can be patient. So he says, tribulation causes us to just be patient and to just wait on the promise of God, but not just wait to have a patient endurance, perseverance, a, a persistent, steady effort to a course of action. In other words, when the suffering comes, you don't lay down and quit. But instead, you grow patient. And in your tears and in your sorrow, you say, God, I still know Your promise is true. I still know that what You have told me will come to pass. And, and You have a patient endurance. So listen, sometimes we were in our small group the other night and one of the guys, he tickled me, he said, you know, he said, I just go ahead and tell God when I'm angry, I figure He already knows anyway. We just got kind of tickled and, and, and he's right, yeah. Yeah, he, he, God does already know. But you know, here's the thing about a Christian in tribulation. It won't always stay anger and bitterness and envy. Sometimes tribulations do produce anger, right? Sometimes tribulation does produce bitterness. But in a believer, somebody has full assurance of hope in the promise of God, eventually they come back to that promise and they go, as bad as it hurts, I still believe it. And then tribulation produces perseverance because of the hope that is in you. Are y'all following that progression? Tribulation in a believer will produce perseverance. 
And then perseverance, go to verse 4, will produce character. In other words, this another translation of this is proven character. In other words, the, the fact that you persevere makes known that you are real. The test is to try you. And the only way that people find out or that God finds out that your faith is real is when you go through the trial and instead of remaining anger, remaining bitter, and going through all the struggle that you go through, you come to a place to where you prove your character. You prove that as bad as I hurt and as hard as this is, I know He is sovereign. I know He has divine purpose in it. And I know He is good and I know His promise is true. And when you can come out persevering, you have proven that you have the character of God. And then character produces more what? Faith is the full assurance of what? Here is the only thing that trials should produce in a believer. More hope. A trial comes in your life as a believer and you go through your struggles and you go through your bitterness and you keep trusting and believing in the promise of God. You get to the other side of this thing and the only thing a hard time should do to you is go, God, I can't wait even more now for Your promise to be fulfilled. Now I know even more that I am hopeless without You. Now I know even more how much I need You. If you're going to grow in your faith and you're not going to be one of the seeds that gets burnt up by the sun, you better know these truths. You better know that God is sovereign. You better know that God has divine purpose in your suffering, whatever it is. And then you better let that suffering produce in you what it is put there to produce. Let it cause you to persevere, have patient endurance in that trial and to keep pressing through. Let it cause you to let it produce character and realness in you. What better, you know, listen, some of the trials, I, I thank God for some of the trials I've been through. I've been through trials that, that several that I, I literally, I'm one of those people that it's only by the grace of God I'm not in jail. That's, I'm just being real with you. I'm one of those people that it's only by the grace of God that I'm not serving a life sentence for murder or something. Because my stupid head, I just get something in my head and I just, I just do it. I, I'm one of those guys. I just, you get it in my head and you're not changing my mind. Uh, yeah, I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm stupid. My wife said I'm crazy. Yeah. It's only by the grace of God that I am not in the jail. But I thank God, I go back to them times to where my mind at first in the trial, it moved me to bitterness and anger and to all of those things. But I thank God that the promise of God came back into my life and that I remembered and that it created perseverance and it brought me back. I remember when I had to call a young lady that had hurt me so bad I wanted to kill her. And I remember when I had to call her on the phone and say, I just want you to know that I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. And if you ever need anything, anything at all, you call me. You call me. I will help you. And I look back at those times now and I can remember I was like that tree that God bent, but I was able to stand on the other side and go, I didn't break. <laughs> Nick, I, got, I was a tree that got bent, but I didn't break. I didn't break. 
I came up out of that thing stronger. And I'm just going to be honest with you, some of y'all watched me go through a lot of those things and you watched God bend this tree and you watched God try to break this thing over and over. And don't get me wrong, the trials was tough. And a lot of times you would have thought you that, 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 that they're going to break. But I thank God that perseverance is what welled up in me and it proved me to be real. Real. Solid. I was the bar gold that got through into the furnace and when I came out I was shinier than I ever was. I shine in tribulations because I know it produces perseverance. And perseverance, when that wells up my life, I know I'm real. Proven character. And when proven character comes up, the only thing it does is create more hope in me. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. He's my only hope. Y'all stand. No matter what happens between you and God this morning, whether you come to this altar for whatever it is, I pray that you leave here this morning with a knowledge that suffering... As bad as it is, it's a good thing. God means it for you good. And if you're a believer, you can rest assured He's going to work it all together for your good and His glory. <clears throat> Whatever you need this morning.